gather before you, uh, mixed hearts full of joy and sorrow, uh, rejoicing and mourning. And so, Lord, we pray that as we express both our joy, our gratitude, our hope, and our grief and our loss and sorrow, that you would be glorified, that your grace would be here, that you would strengthen those who are mourning, that you would um, strengthen the hope that we have, um, that we will one day be with you just as dawn is now. We pray that our words will be edifying, um, and we pray that you would be glorified in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Donald George Phillips of West Des Moines died on Wednesday, January 31st. Donald is survived by his wife, Connie, four children, Lee and Don Carpenter, Mike and Karen Phillips, Don Phillips, and Ted and Deborah Phillips, 12 grandchildren and 26 great-grandchildren, sister Elizabeth Brooks, and many nieces and nephews. He is preceded in death by two brothers, Charles and Harold. Donald was born on June 9, 1933, in Des Moines, the son of Charlie and Josephine Phillips. Donald was devoted to Christ, and he served the Lord through Wycliffe Bible translators. He enjoyed building radio-controlled airplanes, going to car races, and eating spaghetti and meatballs. When Dad was 40, the Holy Spirit swept through the Phillips family, and Jesus Christ poured out his love, forgiveness, and healing. After 10 years in their new life, they were called to the mission field. Because of Don's love of God's word and people, they chose Wycliffe Bible Translators. For the next 23 years, they traveled the world building for and serving with Bible translators. Don was known as a humble man, but an ornery teaser, and always willing to speak God's truth with love. He loved and served his family, and they will miss him terribly but they know they will see him again. I don't know how you did that. <laughs> um, I wrote some stuff, but I'm, I don't think I can read it, so I'm just gonna talk and uh, just say what my dad loved. And first of all, he loved God, he loved Jesus, and he loved my mom, and he loved this church and all of you guys, so, um, Thanks for being here and supporting us and uh, praying for us. Um, people are really important at a time like this to know you're not alone. And so thank you. And uh, I am thankful that I had a dad like that, like Don Phillips. Uh, he was faithful, uh, faithful to our family, provided faithfully, worked hard, never called in sick once in my memory to his job, and uh, I think he would crawl in if he had to, but uh, he was a great builder. He learned all kinds of skills along, along uh, life's path and uh, was in business with Don for a while doing concrete work, and uh, they traveled the world uh, serving and building all kinds of great projects around the world, airplane hangars, missionary housing, etc. And uh, it's all because of Jesus. So I praise God for, for his life and for being a part of it.
My brother, uh, I'm Ted Phillips, uh, dad's son. Uh, my brother, Donnie, was not able to be here, so he sent a message that he'd like me to read. To everyone, I'm sorry I can't be there to mourn with you. To my dad, I'm sorry I can't be there to say goodbye. I love you very much, and you are the best dad, never forgetting about anyone, especially those in need. Dad, you taught me to fish, hunt, camp, work, which gave me many memories that will never be forgotten. You made me a good worker, a good person, a good friend, a good fisherman, and a hockey player. I watched and learned many times when, like when Dad built a boat inside our house, in our, in our living room. <laughs> I'll never forget the glue. The glue was the, the most smelly glue in the world. <laughs> Only took about three weeks to get it out of the house. <clears throat> you gave me the saying, if you don't have anything good to say, say nothing at all. It works great. And to my mother, may the good Lord help you through this. We will all miss my dad. And to my family, I love you all, and may peace and love be with you. Love, Donald Dean Phillips. And these are my comments. Thank you for coming to remember my dad's life with us. As I thought of what I would say this morning, I kept having one memory of my dad come up over and over. It was not the memory of the stern disciplinarian that he was, when I was a young child, although I can still remember and sometimes feel the side, that side of my dad. It was not the memory of his constant guidance toward achieving the goals that I selected to achieve in sports and school and my work, along with his help in selecting those. It was not even the memory of his teaching me many different skills, like helping me build houses and work on cars, but I do remember those times very well as also. It wasn't even the memory of my dad as a great family leader over the entire, my entire life, but that was also true. It was the fact that I remember that my dad made a personal decision to turn away from sin and look to Jesus for his salvation. So he knew exactly where he would go when he would die. That is my most important memory of my father, and I am thankful to know that my dad is in heaven right now. Thank you for coming. I'd like to read this morning from Philippians chapter 1 and make a few comments on, on it. Philippians 1, verses 20. To 26. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. 
But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue for you all for your progress and joy in the faith. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Philippian church, gives us some insight into how we are to think about life and death and loss. Those are the three things I like to take a minute to talk about, life, death, and loss in the body of Christ. What does it mean when a, a faithful brother or sister dies? How do, we, how do we make sense of that? And the Apostle Paul gives us a pattern in which to follow, which I think Don did a fairly good job at. I think, I think all of us who know him know that he finished faithful. He ran his course. He persevered to the end. So the Apostle Paul here gives us a, a concept or a an understanding of how to live. He says it here. He wants Christ to be honored in his body, whether by life or by death. So there's a way of living that brings Christ honor, and there's a way of dying that brings Christ honor. And he, in the next sentence, explains how that works. He wants Christ to be honored in my body, he says, whether by life or death, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. From which I take that you honor Christ in your life when to live is Christ, and you honor Christ in your death when you approach death as though dying were gain. What does it mean to live is Christ? Well, the Apostle Paul elsewhere writes this, helping us understand that, that I believe what it means is the, for the Christian, the, the focus, the new principle around all of which our life is arranged is the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He writes this in 2 Corinthians 5. The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for their sake and was raised. And from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. The Apostle Paul has built his life one way. He was a very religious man. He was a very moral man. He was a very zealous man. And in his zeal and in his religion and in his morality, he was hunting down Christians. From his perspective, they were blasphemers. They were a cult, a sect. And so he zealously pursued that. And even though the Apostle Paul could sum up his righteousness, according to the law, according to his religion, as blameless, when he met the Lord on the Damascus Road, he understood that he was the worst of sinners, that all of his righteousness was his filthy rags. He had an encounter with the risen Christ that was devastating to his old manner of living. And then coming out of this, the Apostle Paul has a new principle in his life. He, the one who formerly persecuted the church is now preaching Christ. He, he goes and he suffers and he plants churches. And What it means to be a Christian is to come to Christ we heard this earlier, to turn from whatever you're building your life on, whatever it is that you are pursuing as though it's the God of your life, and to entrust yourself to him, to take hold of Christ by faith. And when that happens, and as, the, as this says, the Holy Spirit swept through the Philip's family, things change. It's to live now as Christ. The Apostle Paul, that can be seen clearly, but in Don Phillips' life, that can be seen equally clearly. Where he was going, what he was doing in his life, and the marked stark difference in the decades afterwards. 
There's a new principle. Life is being built around, centered around. And as Don and Connie got into missions work, I, I believe you could see the value of Christ. Christ gets glory when his children live as though he's worth honoring. You look at someone like Don, you look at someone like Connie, you think, what on earth could explain why they'd spend their vacation, why they'd spend their time going to other countries? Well, there must be something that's more valuable than a vacation. There must be something that's more valuable than leisure. And what you see is they view Christ as more valuable, and Christ gets glory from that. To live is Christ. One of the last, well, not one of the last, the last memory I have of Don Phillips. I went to visit him on Saturday. I did not realize things were as dire as they were. I actually thought he was getting better. He was getting out of the ICU. It was him talking about Christ and the Lord with a Catholic chaplain who'd come to visit. That's my last memory of Don. You know, the, with the oxygen tube on, he's weak. But he was, the words coming out of his mouth were words of glory and honor to God. And so Paul makes it clear that a Christian is one to whom Trusting in Christ by faith with forgiveness of their sins is now their entire life is refocused, rearranged, reorganized so that to live is Christ. And Don, I think, helped us visualize that. I think he was faithful. Paul also tells us then how to view death. He wants to glorify God in his body by life or by death. And he says this, The way I believe you glorify God in your death is when you approach death as though it were gain. That may seem strange, but again, the logic here of the watching world is what is more valuable to you. There are people who are living as though they are clinging to life. It's the most precious commodity. They're terrified of death, and it becomes clear where their hope is. But as I sense no fear in Don when I talk to him, Because Don understood that the math that Paul understood, which is that when you take all of the joy and all of the pleasure of of life with Connie, with his family, with his church body, productive work, you stack all that up, and the other side you put the Lord Jesus Christ and being with him, you have loss and you have gain. The scales will always be greater, to be better. He says that twice. Yet I shall... I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to be with Christ, for that is far better. And so one of the reasons we rejoice is not just for Don's faithful life and the witness he gave to the glory of Christ, but we rejoice that he is now receiving something even better, even better than any of the joys he had on earth. And for that, we rejoice on his behalf for him. For the Christian, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Don has not suffered a loss. He has, he has received gain. But there is loss. My last point, life, death, and loss. If, if it's not Don who has suffered loss, then who has? It's, it's us. As the Apostle Paul's thinking through why he ultimately, in, in, in Paul's conviction, he decides he will remain um, 
He says it's for their, the church's, progress and joy in the faith. So Paul says, I I want to increase your joy. I want to serve your joy. I want to serve your growth in the faith. And so I'll stick around to do that. And so Paul viewed his mission on earth was to help grow the church, to, to increase their joy and their progress in the faith. And if Paul wasn't there, there'd be less joy. There'd be less progress in the faith. That's the math. And that's what we're feeling now. You don't need to feel bad about feeling bad. It is right. We've suffered loss. The Lord ministered a lot of grace consistently through dawn in our lives. We received blessings upon blessings from the Lord through dawn in his life, in his ministry. That's God now. We, we are the poorer. And that's right. The Apostle Paul in the same letter in Philippians speaks of why God showed grace and spared the life of Epaphroditus even though he was sick. Listen to this. Philippians 2, 25-27. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my needs. So the Philippian church sent Epaphroditus with some money to go take care of Paul in prison. And Epaphroditus showed up. He was faithful, so faithful in fact, ministering that prison. He got sick himself. For he has longed for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. Now listen to this. But God had mercy on him, and not on only him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Catch that? God spared Epaphroditus so that Paul wouldn't suffer sorrow upon sorrow. You see, you can rejoice at dawn's present joy and glory and still recognize we have sorrow upon sorrow without any any cognitive tension, without any betrayal. We are the poorer. We miss him. Don is richer. And so this is bittersweet. But, but in this passage, Paul points us to understand these things. When a man has lived a faithful life for the Lord, such that we can see evidence that to him to live is Christ, when he approaches death, as though death is gain, when there's family around him says, no, Don has something better now even though he's been stripped of everything this world has, and you all will one day too, Don has something better because he put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He looked to him to be the propitiation, the sacrifice, the satisfaction for his sins. We still can mourn our loss and our grief and our sorrow as we now need to figure out what life without Don looks like until the Lord returns or until we go to be with him. But the hope that we have and that we should have is that our separation from dawn is only temporary. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've put your trust in him, if you've repented of sin and turned to him, you too can have this hope of something far better, which is not to be with dawn, but to be with the Lord, but dawn will be there. And I know it would be his desire. He, he, he poured his life out that other people in other countries and other languages might know the Lord Jesus Christ. How tragic would it be for someone even in this close family, not to know the Lord. So just ask you as we sing our closing song that you might consider these things and do some inward math and have you put your trust in Christ. And if, if you believe you put your trust in Christ, are you living in such a way that it's evident that to live is Christ? Is Christ the controlling and organizing principle of your life or have you built your life on sand on something else? Money is the organizing principle of your life. Power, pleasure, 
There are many other gods out there or would-be gods. Build on the rock, build on Christ. That's what Don poured his life out for others to do. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for the decades of grace and blessing that you ministered to us through Don's life. We thank you for sustaining him faithful to the end. We thank you that he has finished his course well. Lord, we rejoice at his great joy in being in your presence. And Lord, we grieve our poverty at his loss. We miss the sweet fellowship of of his company. And we know that while he has experienced gain, we suffer loss. So I pray that you would help us to honor his memory well, to rejoice in his gain, and to mourn in a way that gives you glory as well. I pray that you would comfort those who are suffering. I pray that you would give grace to those whose hearts are weary and heavy laden. And I pray that you would let the legacy of Don's life, that people might come to know Jesus Christ, bear fruit even today, here and now. In Jesus' name. Amen.